Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Welcome to another edition of the ACHE Healthcare Executive Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about pressing the accelerator on gender diversity in healthcare leadership. Kind of a mouthful right there, but we're going to, we're going to, uh, we have the perfect guest to kind of shake that all down for you. It's Gail Capizzallo. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about her before we uh, introduce her and get her going in this conversation. Gail is president and CEO of uh, JGF Strategies LLC and executive director of the Equity Collaborative, a part of the Carol Emmott Foundation. Prior to all that, she served as an executive vice president and chief strategy officer for Yale New Haven Health System in Connecticut. Now, before joining Yale New Haven Health System back in 97, Gail held senior roles with Sisters of Charity of the Incarnate Word Healthcare System that was in Houston, Texas, and SSM Healthcare System in St. Louis, Missouri. She received her Master's of Science degree in Public Health Service Management from the University of Missouri, Columbia. As a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, Gail is an ardent supporter of professional development and continuous improvement. Now, she served as the ACHE Board of Governors from 2007 to 2010 as its chairman from 2012 to 2013. She was also a regent from 2004 to 2007, and her involvement with the Connecticut Association of Healthcare Executives includes a term as president from 06 to 07. Now, in addition, Gail is a member of the Institute for Healthcare Improvements Audit and Compliance Committee. Gail, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. You got it. You got it. Okay. You've done a lot. You have done so much in your career. And I think the best way to kind of to kind of kick this all off, um, I mentioned right at the top of your bio there, the Equity Collaborative. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've been you, that's it's pretty it's pretty new, right? It was set up uh, just a few months back. So can you just kind of yes, tell us? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Explain what, what, what that's all about. It's a nonprofit, right? It's a nonprofit. The Carol Emmett Foundation is dedicated to gender equity, and they started about four years ago with a fellowship in which large healthcare organizations could nominate women to take a year, still working, but to also have mentors and sponsors from other organizations and do particular leadership development, both didactically and experientially. As those women were coming back to their organizations, they started to say, but our organization isn't changing. They aren't really focused on gender uh, diversity. Perhaps we, sh- we should create a collaborative of large organizations in healthcare that are really dedicated to moving from the concept of commitment to gender equity to really making an urgent matter. So about two years ago, we brought about 55 people together and brainstormed for a year on what that might look like. And over the past year, we brought everyone together, recruited people, created a mission and a vision, and got 14 large healthcare systems uh, to participate in this collaborative and started our very first meeting in um, July of 2019. And this collaborative is made up of senior leaders in each of these organizations, and they have made a commitment to taking actions within their organization 
that will increase fully inclusive gender equity. And that word fully inclusive gender equity very deliberately. And we spent a lot of time coming up with those right words. And I'd just like to take a second, if that's okay, to explain what that means. Sure, please. Um, when, when you look at leadership uh, pipelines, we'll call them, um, they're in most organizations predominantly men. But when you see diversity, it's also predominantly within the, ma- within the men because it's our entire unconscious bias toward leadership is around um, and synonymous with our stereotype for men. So our goal is to create a leadership pipeline in healthcare that has many more women in it, and those women are very diverse in ethnicity, in race, et cetera, so that we are taking advantage of the fact that at entry level, 79 was 80% of healthcare workforce are women. And yet when you get to the C-suite, it drops off dramatically to less than 30%. And for CEOs, it's less than 13%. And it's that promotion along the way that makes a huge difference in filling that pipeline, that leadership promotion. And the data has shown us that um, it's around that movement to vice president that we drop all the way down uh, to uh, 40%. And that obviously reduces the pipeline toward the, um, toward the C-suite. So it's an exciting, it's wonderful to see uh, the opportunity and the willingness of these organizations. And we've got many more in the pipeline that are looking to become a part of the collaborative that are going to make specific changes in the way that their policies read, in the way that their uh, practices are to based upon data to um, to see if we can increase fully inclusive gender equity in their leadership pipeline. So, Gail, how long, I'm just curious, how long, mm-hmm. with your experience, how long do you think those, because you said those stats, especially when we're talking about vice president on up, C-suite folks, mm-hmm. how long do you think it'll take the collaborative, with the collaborative's help, to kind of change those numbers a little bit, to try to get them, you know, sure. more in the middle? The question is, I don't know. But they are, um, we're, we're taking baseline data now, and these organizations have done something that um, I'm so delighted that they are willing to do. They are taking the baseline in uh, numbers today, and they're committing to increasing them over a three-year period. Every organization's made a minimum of a three-year commitment to this. And we know, for, I mean, and they're taking a behavioral economic approach to making these changes. So the data shows us that when you want to hire someone, um, if you have a hiring pool that has only one person of color, only one woman in it, the chances of that person being hired are literally zero. But if you have two or more, they increase to 50% or 60%. So they're making commitments. Many of those organizations are making commitments to ensure that their hire, their final hiring pool always includes women. They are making differences in the way that they select and the criteria they select for their um, search firms. So they're asking those numbers about placements and contacts within search firms, which is different, very different than people do it today. They're changing their interview processes to making them much more objective 
and to selecting on criteria rather than the word fit in the organization. And they're committing to changing the way that they do performance appraisals and providing data to department heads and to C-suite people about the, the promotion rate from a gender and diversity perspective. All of this, all of these changes and practices are geared to kind of uncovering our unconscious bias in the way that we do everything that, that is built upon stereotypes. Um, of leaders are more often men than women. And those and the characteristics of a leader are more often associated with stereotypical male attributes. All right. There, yeah, there's a lot in there. And your passion obviously comes right through. No question <laughs> talking about talking about that collaborative. So good luck with all that. And we'd love to hear how it's progressing. Um, so mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit now about Outside of the Equity Collaborative, what you've done in your long storied career, you, you've, you've worked everywhere uh, for all different types of health systems and, and, and hospitals and uh, billion dollar healthcare systems. You've run strategies for that. What, what, in your mind, what were some of your greatest you know, achievements, if you will, and, and who inspired you and motivated you along the way, along that journey? So for me, um, I've had a very unusual career in that I was literally um, in senior management from when I entered my career. Um, I started because I was at a time when systems were just forming. So I have spent my career forming systems from individual hospitals and moving to larger and larger healthcare systems to create systems and then to build the infrastructure for those systems, to do um, business development for those systems so they continue to grow. And it, to me, the most, the most wonderful thing about my career is the constant new innovative opportunities to enhance patient care quality, to enhance patient-focused culture within organizations. I've been so lucky to be able to build from a one-hospital um, system that just had some ambulatory to creating a 23 hospital system or to developing real good quality improvement and patient satisfaction and patient um, safety measures within organizations. I've done a lot of work, did a lot of work early on with IHI and putting those systems in place. So I've been, I've really spent my career building and developing and being innovative. I mean, my Super people. Don Berwick was a major, is a major mentor of mine. Um, a woman from St. Louis, Sister Mary Jean Ryan, was another. And I've had the benefit of so many incredible colleagues, uh, male and female, along the way that have helped me think through um, innovative ideas to implement them to enhance patient care. Mm. So where did back? Okay, so take me back to the beginning of of your career. Is that where the passion started about, you know, kind of realizing that these numbers were skewed when we're talking about uh, men and women in leadership roles, especially in healthcare? When did that start for you? In the very beginning, I will tell you, um, way way back when I first started working for SSM Healthcare, we were recruit. We were just developing the infrastructure of a system, and we had to. Um, recruit a CFO and we selected, we put out a call for search firms and we said to the search firm, we want a woman CFO. And three out of the four search firms said that we'd have to have a less qualified. 
person. And hmm. we went to the fourth one that said, no, you're going to find us a highly qualified person and she's going to be a woman. You need to go look for it. So that was just kind of a little story that has tells you about my commitment to this with many other colleagues along the way, because what concerns me the most is if you ask men and women in healthcare, um, what's the cause of this gender inequity? Men say number one causes are not enough qualified females. And there clearly are. We just have to be in the right networks and we just have to access and provide opportunities for women to be sponsored and bring their career so that we have uh, more and more pipelines filled of qualified women. So where do you see, okay, so that was, you know, you saw it from the get-go, at least in your career, and you've worked along, and obviously all the way up to the Equity Collaborative, which you're doing now, but where do you, I guess, where do you see uh, women's leadership in healthcare going? I mean, is it, do do you think we're on the fast track? Yes. Go ahead. I think we are, we are um, more aware of it than ever. And more and more, if you think about parity.com, if you think about the work of ACHE, if you think about all of these um, affiliate organizations are thinking about this. Modern Healthcare just started an article a few months ago about breaking bias. Um, ACHE has done a great job. I mean, I've been so thankful for their leadership development opportunities, their networking opportunities, their educational opportunities in my career advancement. And they went out of their way um, to ensure that there were more and more, there was greater gender parity within the Board of Governors. And we've had a number now of uh, female uh, chairs, which is, again, creating role models, which is so important. So I think that we are on a wave, particularly in healthcare, that's going to keep going, and you're going to see more and more young women of uh, of color and white women and um, different ethnicities heading toward that leadership um, pipeline and being in that leadership pipeline. And what, in your estimation, what would that mean to like the bottom line, business wise, of an organization? It's a great question and data has shown we don't have a ton of data in healthcare, but we do have significant amounts of data in other organizations that organizations that are gender diverse have better financial bottom lines, have better market shares and have better overall value. So there's no reason not to transition that thought and that goal and expectation for healthcare organizations, especially since we are so female dominated throughout all of our employees. Got it. Got it. Let's, you mentioned ACHE. I want to bring that in now. Um, And, you know, we ask this to a lot of our guests, but kind of, can you kind of just document briefly your involvement and how, how (laughs) it's helped your career and maybe, and for you, how it's really, um, motivated and inspired you to to really show your leadership skills? Can you talk about ACHE in that regard? Sure. ACHE has been my one constant um, throughout my entire career. I, um, I joined as a student. Um, I became involved immediately at the local level as I got my first job. 
um, working with the chapters, or at that point, it was the local um, organizations. I participated in Congress regularly. I became um, very much an advocate. And then when they started the women um, networks, which again is so important and shows their support of gender equity, I helped develop them. I participated in them. And it continually always provided me my networking opportunities. Every job I moved from, I moved through someone that I knew, met, or was associated with through ACG. Um, it provided me opportunities to become a region, to lead and start local chapters as we moved, moved to that, to chapter development. I developed the chapter in Connecticut. It provided me an opportunity as I moved to Connecticut to meet all my colleagues and to encourage women to get involved in um, the development of the, cha of the chapter in uh, Connecticut. As I moved to Regent and then became on the board, I became um, a member of the Board of Governors and then chair, it was, um, it was wonderful to talk about, to see the support of everyone as, um, as women took their turns as chair. So it has been my, my, um, uh, my guide. And I ran, and I was actually chairing the selection committee after Tom retired, and and it was delightful to see uh, Deborah, such a qualified, incredibly uh, brilliant woman, take over uh, behind Tom, who had done a wonderful, wonderful job as the president. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, great, yeah. Everyone we 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 ask that they always come back to what you touched upon there at the beginning of, of that answer about. The communication, the networking, yeah. who who you've met. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, there's so much more to ACHE, but that is always a, an underlying factor, right? It's consistent. It, it is, and it's a constant leadership development. It's where you really have the opportunity to learn about leadership development, as well as content information in any specialty that you want. It's so important uh, for education, um, but what gives it a, that 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 um, secret sauce is the combination of the leadership development, the networking, and the education. Got it. Let's let's kind of round everything out. You, you've talked so much uh, about about women's leadership and 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 trying to trying to get you know trying to get it more equal, you know, it, it, for lack of mm -hmm. a better phrase, just kind of kind of get get the numbers where they should be. So any. I guess I want you to address some executives listening to this podcast right now when they're wondering, okay, I want to do that. I want to do that in the right way. I want to check mm -hmm. all the boxes. How mm -hmm. can I do, you know, how can I do that? How can I foster all those types of diversity in my executive team the right way to, 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 to help my company, to help my community? What would you tell those folks? Well, um, I can get real practical and then in more general sense is become aware of your own unconscious bias, your own stereotype of what a leader is, and collect data to learn how many women you have within your own organization and at what level they are and at what level they're being promoted. I think you can also begin talking about it with your executives, become executives, fellow executives, become conscious. You would love for you to join the Equity Collaborative. And there are, there's a particular book, um, if you're interested, that is written by a behavioral economic, economist, excuse me, 
um, who, like if you've read the book Nudge, tells organizations how you can go about changing your policies very specifically and your um, activities very specifically to appeal more to gender and to bring about gender um, equality. And it's called um, What Works? Uh, Gender Equity by Design. And it is, it's a from a behavioral economics perspective, it just provides information on what has worked across the world and what has worked in industry and what's been experimented and has significant evidence behind it. This has been such an important um, topic of conversation. And like I said at the top, you were the perfect guest, Gail, to 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 yeah. kind of break all this down. You know, we we called this the the episode title of this one "Pressing the Accelerator on Gender Diversity in Healthcare Leadership." You're flooring it. <laughs> I'm going to even take it a little <laughs> bit further. So you were the perfect guest. I want to thank you so much for taking some time out uh, to chat with us here on the ACHE uh, this Healthcare Executive Podcast and explain everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And again, we love more members in the collaborative if anybody wants to join it. You got it. That's Gail Capazzalo. Thank you so much once again. We appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. And folks, thanks for joining us and join us again soon for another edition of the ACHE Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.